welcome. My name's Luke Burridge, and this is the show called Luke's Creative Podcast. In it, I talk to creative people about what makes them tick, and I guess by extension, what makes me tick as a creative person. If you want to know more, check out episode one of season one, where I explain the motivation and the focus and the concept behind this podcast project in a lot more depth. So in this uh, episode, I chat with David Friedman. This was recorded in September of last year, back in 2010, uh, when I was on vacation in New York. Uh, this wasn't actually the first discussion that I recorded for this podcast project, but it's my favorite of the early batch that I gathered back in August. August of September and September. So I'm playing it here first. Please forgive my interview technique. I'm not the best interviewer in the world. Um, I'm far too enthusiastic and I talk too much and I interrupt as well. Uh, that said, I think this is a pretty good show. The, the way this show is meant to work, actually, is that it's, it's not so much interviews, it's more discussions between two people. Instead of me just asking questions and the other person replying, it's meant to be more of a, a conversation and discussion. That's much more apparent in other recordings that I did as I'm chatting to people I already know uh, and friends and things like that. But this is actually the first time I'd ever met or spoken with David. But like I say, I still think it's a really good, interesting discussion. Uh, we talk about lots of interesting stuff here. All of the links and notes and things that we talk about in, you know, of the things that we talk about in today's episode can be found on the website lukeboge.com forward slash creative because we talk about lots of different websites that David is involved in uh, and if you like the show please email me luke at juggler.net is the best way to get in contact with me any feedback comments or, you know whatever you want to say I'm on Twitter as well at lukeboge on Twitter and of course check out my website and blog at lukeboge.com you can find all the links there so that's it for the introduction let's get to this discussion with David Friedman so I'm here in New York, and I'm uh, and I'm here with a uh, a photographer and blogger. I guess is the way that I would describe him, David Friedman. How would you describe yourself, David? It usually depends who I'm talking to. Some people I just describe myself as a photographer. If it's someone who I think will be more impressed when they hear about my blogging successes, then I describe myself as a blogger. Well, let's start off then with the with the uh, with the photography angle of it then, because uh, I guess. I mean, I knew you first as a uh, as a blogger because you know that's how I found out about you. But I guess the way you earn your living, or the most of the way that you've earned your living, is is through photography. So can you tell us just a bit bit about your photography? Sure. I came to New York in '97 to pursue photography. I shortly started assisting in the photo studio at Christie's Auction House, and I did that for about eight months before I started shooting for them. And <clears throat> Christie's was sort of ahead of the curve shooting digitally. Their studio was uh, was about 80% digital in already in 97. So a couple years later, when I left, I had a pretty good digital background, and I started working for Ralph Lauren as their uh, in-house photographer. When I started, they were only shooting film. Everything was large format. Uh, and... Over the next seven years that I was with Ralph Lauren, I helped them transition to digital, and uh, and everything I shot there was internal stuff. Most of the major ad campaigns was shot by Bruce Weber and other people like that. Most of what I shot was internal. But so the kind of things you were shooting, what was it like? Product p- photography mostly, was it? It was a lot of product photography. It was a lot of stuff that uh, was interiors. Every time we they opened a new store, I'd go photograph the new store. Um, some of that was strictly internal use. Some of that was, some of that was, uh, you know, for distribution to the media. Um, 
and, and also I, I, I worked with the designers. I shot a lot of their concepts and things like mm. that just so they could keep a record of them. So it was a mixture of, of glamorous and tedious as any in-house yeah. uh, job would be. Yeah. And then just a few years ago, I, I quit my job to uh, freelance full-time. So that, that's what I've been doing since. Okay, big question. I talked to lots of people who do quit their jobs to freelance. I mean, this is what I did years ago. You know, mm -hmm. I quit my job, had another job lined up, never went to it, and I've been... Uh, have been self-employed ever since, like, that's like seven years ago now. So I never regretted it. Did you regret it? Have you regretted oh, it so far? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Because this is the weird thing is that I've never met anyone who's quit their job to go full-time in their own passion with their own business who has ever regretted it. Yeah, even when business is slow, being freelance, there's always something to do because you always have to find the next job. So you're always yeah. working on your own stuff, Yeah. Uh, whether it's your own career or your own personal projects or whatever. Uh, as opposed to being full-time staff where you're doing what other people need done, whether it really is what's in your interest or yeah. not. Yeah, so what do you do now as a photographer? Right now, my big project that I'm working on is this uh, project about inventors. I'm traveling the country, photographing and interviewing um, and filming uh, inventors from all walks of life talking about their inspirations and their successes and their failures and and their work environments and that whole creative process. A lot of them have been very successful, uh, including some inventors that people would be familiar with their products. I photographed Art Fry, who invented the post-it note. I photographed Douglas Engelbart, who invented the computer mouse. Um, I invented... But on the other side, I've seen a lot of these profiles. You, you interview people who have invented like a thousand inventions and none of them have ever made a cent. None of them have ever been picked up or, or produced in any way. It's true. And in a lot of ways, some of those are more interesting cases. You know, yeah. some, some of these people who have been successful have had the benefit of a corporate backing yeah. where they were working for a company um, and, and they're not strictly entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurial cases, you have, again, you have both kinds of cases. The ones where they were able to take their product and make it a big success, uh, like the guy Todd Green who invented a special razor blade for shaving your head. It's called the head blade. Well, is it slightly curved or something? It it's, it like, it's like a ring that you yeah. put your finger in, and then it's and then you basically glide your hand over ah, your head. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Because the angle on a normal blade is like it's, right. it's great for face. It's great for going downwards right. down your face. But right. Yeah. So he started out um, selling these. Uh, God, I hope I got his name right. He started out selling these things out of a backpack in, in the in a park. And now yeah. he's got a, a whole enterprise. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen quite a few. I've not seen all of them because I'm I'm not sure how many you've released on your website. I've saw some because this is this is it's it's obviously quite a personal project, but it has been picked up. Cat on the keyboard, I think. Yeah, <laughs> the cat was in my bag before. Yeah. But uh, but the but this project is is something that you've done on your own initiative. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. But you're also selling it to. Uh, New, the, the features that you're doing, you're selling to newspapers and magazines. And I, I am. Is that I, the idea? Sort of. The The end goal is a, a book. I've done I've done 30 of them so far. I've uh, My next two, maybe three, lined up for a couple weeks from now. And um, and I haven't put them all online. But, uh, but yeah, it is my, my own project. It's an area that I'm interested in. And, and it just so happens that 
a lot of these inventors are successful enough that other places want to write about them. Mm. And so I have licensed some of the photos as stock yeah. uh, to textbooks and museums and magazines. So, so, so is this your main project at the moment? Because, you know, because I was trying to arrange this interview and it seems like you're very busy doing all these different kind of things and you're here and you're there and stuff like that. This, so so is this is this a main part of your work or is this sort of like just a, a, like a long-term project while you're doing other things as well? It's a little bit of both. It's a long-term yeah. project while I'm doing other things. And it, it, how, how often I'm able to shoot an inventor depends on my work schedule, my travel schedule, their work schedules. Mm. And, and when I travel to a, to a city, I try to photograph several inventors in that city. So yeah. it's, it requires coordinating with them. So... Um, so I've been doing it for, uh, I guess a year and a half, two years, maybe to get up to 30. Mm. Um, and I think my goal will probably be to shoot 60 and then narrow it down to the best 40 to 50 yeah, for, yeah. Uh, for a book. Yeah. So the, uh, but I guess some of the times that you travel, you're not going to a city. I remember this one, um, inventor profile. I'm not sure if there was a video of it or not, but I can definitely see it. And you're out in the middle of a lake, a frozen lake, and this guy has invented a buggy, which does it go out? You know, it's, like is, a, it's a buggy that you drive video. out onto the onto the lake, cut a hole in the lake, and then put your buggy over the top of it. But then it's also a safety thing, so it turns into a boat if the ice breaks, and it's got a cover on as well. Like this is an amazing adventure for a very specific thing, which is just ice fishing. But you went out and had a go in this, did you? Or what were you doing? Yes, this was. Uh, it's called the Willcraft. W I L stands for Water, Ice, and Land. Yeah. Because that's where this vehicle can go. Um, it was in Minnesota, I think, uh, if memory serves. And um, the, it, it addresses the fact that every year a lot of people drive their trucks out onto the frozen lake and they fall through. The ice mm. isn't thick enough to support a truck. Yeah. So this vehicle actually is just the right size to fit on the back of a flatbed truck. When you get to the lake... Like, say, in the back of a pickup, is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pickup truck. Uh, you get to the lake, you drive out, so it, it, you're right, it looks like a little moon buggy. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, it's sort of like a, it's like a, almost like a little golf cart as well, isn't it? It's sort of like that, almost that size as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's like a golf cart with the top down. Yeah, when, but then you can put the top up as you well. You put the top up, so you drive out, you use the auger to drill the holes in the ice, you maneuver the vehicle over the holes yeah. and then you lower it down onto the ice yeah. so air doesn't get in but yeah i remember you. actually i do remember the video now but you're sort of videoing this guy sort of driving out like onto the ice and stuff but you did all of that i guess yourself as well, well yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i was there with him yeah. i let him drive the yeah. thing but yeah we went out to the frozen lake i'd never yeah. been on a frozen lake before yeah. and uh and it was a lot of fun so that's one of the the fun things about the project is i get to travel the places that mm. i would never have gone i never would have gone yeah. there uh I get to do things. That's one of the things I love about photography. I get to do things and meet people that I wouldn't otherwise have occasion yeah. to meet. Yeah, I mean, I do the, do the same thing. It's like one of my long-term projects. Well, it's not so much long-term. I started it around about 18 months ago, and because I travel a lot. I'm going to lots of interesting places anyway. But there's, uh, but I decided I'm going to do... I, th I thought I'm going to do what uh, you know that Matt Harding did with his dancing around the world, and I thought I'm going to mm. do a juggling version of that. But of course, I know it was just going to be sort of quite derivative. Me <laughs> juggling around the world is the same as him dancing around right. the world. But one of the main things that I wanted to do with it is to, it was actually to make give me a bit of focus when I'm traveling because often yeah, I'll turn great. up somewhere 
And, like, I've been to Montevideo in Uruguay. I mean, people go, oh, exotic. It's like, yeah, but when you've been there 12 times, you know, you're sort of like you're running out of things to do and see. However, because I came up with this project, it actually made me, like, when I'm working on a cruise ship, it'll actually make me get off the uh, get off the boat and actually do something, and I'll go and get a video of me juggling in this place, and then, it, you know, I can, you know, do these interesting stuff. And it was amazing. Like, the first time I turned up to Montevideo, I've been there loads of times before, and I could have just stayed on the ship, but I thought, no, I'm going to go there, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get a video of me juggling in this main square. Mm -hmm. And I turned up there, and it just so happened that that was the, uh, the one day of the year, this one Sunday, and they had the annual gaucho horse parade and suddenly i was there That's and fantastic. like 300 horse riders came through awesome. and paraded through the city and i had never seen it It wasn't in any of the tourist books it wasn't in any of the information that they had on the cruise ship the only reason i saw that was because it made me get off the ship and this was sort of like right at the very beginning of this project and i was like this is going to work and then time and time and time That's again great. you know this project even though i'm going to these interesting places it makes me walk up to the top of a hill to get a good shot of a top of a shot of a top of the hill or make me go and see a waterfall you know just to take a photo of it and if it was just if it was just me, oh, I'm just going to go and take a photo. It's difficult to get that thing, but because it's a personal project, I'm like, right, every time I'm somewhere, I'm going to do this thing. And I guess that's the same with you as well. Like, yeah, it, it makes you visit new places or makes you sort of like schedule time in a city that you wouldn't normally go to and see it as well. Absolutely. You know, part of the information gathering of this project is getting in touch with as many inventors who sound like they have interesting projects as I yeah. can. And I plot them all out on the map and then I look at oh, the map. Yeah. And I say, where are the most do the, you people do the, right the now? Traveling salesman problem. <laughs> yeah, basically, I, well, I, I say, where, what, what city looks like it's got the most concentration of virtual pins in my map? Yeah, uh, and, and that I, that I, you know, I can. Where drive. is it at the moment? Then, do you think? Um, Minneapolis has the really? biggest concentration. Any idea why? I've asked them, and they told me that it's because it's so cold that people have nothing to do but sit around coming up with ideas. Yeah, for in stuff. the winter they're all shut in, and they're like, "Oh, I'll just you know file this bit down." And yeah, spit this exactly. Bit in here. Yeah. So there are a lot of inventors in in the Minneapolis area. Yeah, they have a whole uh, what they call I think it's the Minneapolis Inventors Congress, which is uh, an organization for mm. inventors. There are inventors groups all all around the country, but yeah. they're a particularly big one. They have a huge expo every year. Yeah, is it? Do you think this uh, the sort of the inventors and the makers kind of scene does that cross over? I mean, have it you does. found like when you go and interview these these uh, inventors and they've got their things? Like, I remember this guy who was like he got the uh, he's got like the massage chair that you see in the airports. Mm -hmm. You know, like thumbs up to that guy because that's like an awesome yeah. you know an invention and stuff. But I was wondering, would he be the kind of guy who would go along to like the Makers Fair? Because there's the Makers Fair in New York, the, the, mm -hmm. you know, just this uh, just this month. I mean, it's coming up in next weekend or in two weekends' time or something. You know, is there that crossover? There is some crossover. He is an individual. I, I don't know if he's ever done that. But, a, but one of the first yeah. inventors I, I photographed was a guy who was definitely part of that scene. Mm. Um, and, and there have been a couple others since. I, I sort of, my definition of invention is a little bit different than like the government's invention, yeah. you know, because frankly, a lot of things are patentable that I don't think are interesting enough for my project. A minor improvement on something that already exists, yeah. not interesting enough. When someone holds up their invention and it's a piece of elastic with a clip on each end, and I say, well, what exactly did you invent? And they say, well, you use it for such and such to yeah. hold your kid's pants <laughs> up. And I'm like, well, what? I don't know what part of that you invented. You know, yeah. so so sometimes I, 
I see an invention like that and I think, well, you know what, maybe they didn't really bring something truly novel to the invention itself, but wow, they would be so photogenic that, that <laughs> and I'll let, let yeah. it slide a little bit. And sometimes, uh, you know, I feel like it needs to be like a little more new and inspired mm. and, and I've got, you know, when I started out, I was less picky. Now I'm a little more picky. But why? Because there's just so much choice out there. There is a lot of choice out there and not, you know, it's not just that I'm thinking about myself, but I'm thinking about will my project as a final book be interesting mm. to other people. I think that... In I think, it's, to be honest, judging by the photos and especially the video clips as well, I'm not sure how you could get that in the book, but you could definitely use them that as a promotion. That, yeah, yeah. that would be a, as a great promotion for the book because Thank you. each one of those video projects is really, I mean, I encourage anyone listening now, if you've not looked at you can find this on your... On your, I, I have on your so many websites that I can't websites. think, but well, the, just, the easiest way to get to the inventors is dfpblog.com slash inventors. Okay, right, that's that's the that's good not, way to That's go. not even advertised anywhere, but it's just uh, okay, the easiest, right. I don't know that. I don't know one. DFP blog. No, I know that, the David Friedman Photography. Yeah, so okay. it's just a redirector. So okay, well, check that out, because these li these are, like, inspired. I, I can't remember there was one that you obviously made, and you went, this is something special, because you promoted it on your... Uh, on your blog and on Twitter a few times and on your other blog as well. And I think it, I think it was the guy who had invented, like, he had, like, books and books and books stacked up. Was that the one? I can't yeah, remember. Was that, yeah, that, that was, was that one his that, name was Brent Farley, and he's a really interesting case. One of my favorite shoots I did, just because he's such an interesting guy. Oh, fascinating. He, amazing. He has a real infatuation with invention he's invented hundreds if not thousands of products and he has had no success with any of them and a lot of them are ludicrously bad that like uh, uh, I, I, well, in my opinion, who am I to judge what's going to be the next well, big thing? But I'm just going to say there's a few things that he invented that it takes like 20 minutes to strap them on. Or it seemed like that, you know, and then what does it help you with? Oh, yeah, it helps with picking up this bit of sausage. Also. And it was just this, you know, just this weird eating apparatus. What do you think? That he, he reminds me a bit of like a combination of Thomas Edison, who was a brilliant inventor, and Ed Wood, who didn't realize that <laughs> yeah. his films were not very yeah. good. I feel like this man doesn't quite have the sense of which of his invention ideas are worth pursuing. Do you think that somewhere in that those books, because he's literally got boxes and boxes of gadgets that he's made and stacks of books, do you think in there somewhere there could be that million-dollar idea that... I think a lot know. of his ideas are clever, actually. Yeah. There, there are several that, that he showed me. You know, some of his ideas he knows. They're novelty uh, yeah. items. And he describes them as such. And some of them he thinks could be the next, you know thing that'll make him a million dollars mm. uh the first thing to make him a million dollars i guess um and uh, and there are quite a few of them that that i thought were were clever he had an interesting uh pot for a plant that his prototype looked a little weird yeah. admittedly but it was meant to have like uh, appendages that you attach to it for the plant to Oh yeah, grow I really on. like that. It's sort of like an extending yeah. so normally you just put a cane in there and yeah. the cane is way too tall and the plant takes a long time to grow up it, wasn't it? Yeah, that... so there, you know there could there could be a real product there. Yeah. You know, there there were a couple of other things that I thought could be a real product if marketed correctly. Yeah. But he also has a lot of, you know, out there over the top ideas. He's not the best uh, 
spokesperson for himself. Mm. He comes across very enthusiastic, which is, it's clear. No, but I think your video really captured, not not just that, I mean, it captured his passion for what he was doing. I, I, yeah. I had to be very careful with my video, because shortly after I, I filmed the video, he was interviewed for, like, the big industry magazine for inventors. It's called yeah. Inventors Digest. And he was not happy with how that article uh, how turned out. Him. Because yeah. I have to tell you, he, he would be an easy man to make fun of. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to make fun of him because he's he's serious about what he's doing. Yeah, he has a sense of humor, but I yeah. don't want to mock him. No. But I did want to convey... The thing is, he's doing more than most <laughs> people will ever do. Like, uh, this is what I want to talk about in a bit, especially when we get onto some of your inventions as well. But, you know, so many people have an idea, but he is like... He makes every one of them. Yeah, writing, he you makes know, prototypes. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I edited it more than once trying to find the right tone for yeah. showing that he's a bit of a nut but also showing that he's sincere yeah. and and frustrated and that he understands that he's obsessed his obsession with invention as he puts it has greatly interfered with his life i don't want to go into too much of his personal details but um but you know watch the video and you'll, you'll get a sense mm. Yeah, I'll definitely put a, a link to that in the show notes if this podcast is going to have show notes. I'll, I'll definitely uh, feature that one. So, anything else about the photography project that you want to talk about? Because we can just move on a bit more to your blog. I guess if it. anyone knows any inventors who, who are <laughs> either interesting people to look at or live yeah. or work uh, in you, an you're interesting wanting, you're wanting, It's all American inventors so far, is so it? So far, yeah. yeah. Would, I, you, would you be... Willing to go on a trip, like to say to Europe, set up a few, like five or six, and then you go know, around and get some international flavor. interesting flavor. that you ask. I've been contacted by a small handful of international people, including, do you know the game Guess Who? Yes. It, yeah, where yeah, of you, course. Yeah, so the it's game... It's got to be Frank or whatever the, the yeah, call right. was at the end of the Right, the commercial. inventor of Guess Who yeah. contacted me. I had no idea it was invented by a couple who lives in Tel Aviv. <laughs> I, have, I have no plans on the immediate future to go to Israel. But oh, Israel's amazing. I've been yeah. there. Oh, okay. And my next trip, I, I might photograph them. Cause that's, yeah. How could I pass that up? Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm thinking maybe, you know, if I do a sequel to this project, I'm not opposed to it. It's just yeah. it's easier for me to I, travel. Well, the thing is, do this project. And here's an idea. Do the project. It's a big success. The publisher can go, well, you want another book? And you say, it's going to have to be international. That's right. That's right. And you're, you're going to get a trip around the world. You can, you can head off. You and a get you and a, an assistant or whatever, you know, and you can make a, a world trip out of it. Excellent you know, so. idea. Yeah. Um, I think my wife will have to assist me on yes, that. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I was, I was thinking uh, something along, along those lines. So, uh, okay, leaving photography projects. See, we didn't even get into nerdy photography uh, no, things No, I as can well. get nerdy if anyone wants. Well, I, I'm not sure because, again, this, this, uh, this podcast or these interviews, these discussions, I want them to be more about, like, the ideas. And I think this is... Uh, we've talked a, bit, a lot about this project, but let's talk about like the uh, the inspiration on your on your history with inventors and what your obsession is. Obviously, with inventors, because just if you've not read the blog, which is called Ironic Sands, it's a lot of different stuff in there. You talk about you know a bit. There's some photography stuff on there and some ideas, but mostly what I get out of it is the inventions. Some clever, some stupid, some interesting, and some actually reality now as well. So that's true. Let's talk a bit about your history as someone who comes up with ideas, okay. first of all. Not about sharing them, but first of all, ideas. When was it when you first thought, "Why? hey, that's a good idea? Um, oh, I have no idea when the first time. I've always had I'm just, I'm just saying, so what is it, you know, 
just I'm, I'm not quite sure how to approach this because I mean I've I've always come up with you know lots of ideas myself I haven't shared many of them on any blogs or anything mm. like that but you know when did when did you start writing ideas down to, as a with a view to maybe doing something with them in the future uh, I didn't start writing them down until I started the blog they, oh, okay they all which was when that was like what 2005 or yeah, it was like 2006 four, I think it was Four year, four and a half years ago. Okay, because uh, I started reading pretty early on. It would have been like maybe two thousand six. I started reading your that blog. Was probably so was, about when I started. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I can't remember what the first big thing that you put on there was. I, I remember. I remember this thing with the Game Boy Color. Uh, no, the Game Boy camera, which that, took black and yeah. white photos, mm -hmm. and you made it color. Mm -hmm. I think that was the first thing that I remember seeing on there, which I realized other people were talking about as well. So. But maybe I didn't start reading it. Maybe I sort of read back a, a few pages on the blog or something. The first thing that I wrote that really had a large number of eyeballs. Well, first of all, once I started the blog, I was like, okay, I've got some good ideas. I can't put them in the first couple of posts because... Nobody's no, going to read them. <laughs> or if they do read them, they're not yeah. going to want to come back because there's yeah. just going to be a couple of posts, yeah. right? So, so I had some like sort of... Not amazing, you know, mm. but not stupid uh, yeah. posts. Um, to, to then I had like ten or so. Then I had a good idea. Okay. So the first idea post that no, I no, quick. Okay. First of all, before we get to the first good idea that you had on your blog, because I'm sure that's going to be a cool story. Why did you start up a blog? to share your ideas in the first place. Okay, that's good. I mean, because this is a question that we can ask about all our different projects, but I think this is this will be quite telling with this one. Okay, so. Uh, so no one knows this. You're getting an exclusive. But before Ironic Sands, I had another blog. Yeah. Uh, I was very angry about the Bush administration's lack of critical thinking. So I started a blog yeah. that was a very angry, pro-critical thinking blog. That was the the whole topic of that <laughs> blog. Was, was listing logical fallacies. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. Logical fallacies <laughs> in the media. And I had a bit of a following on, on that website. Um, but was this under your name? Did anyone know it was I you? did not do it under my name. I did okay. as David, but okay. it was otherwise semi-anonymous. Right. Um, and what I found was that uh, I did my best writing when I was really angry. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that takes a lot of energy to be angry all yeah. the time. Well, like, just saying, just to go back to you said before, I saw your book review podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, the favorite, like, the ones that get the most feedback is where I read a book and hate it and rant. And everyone's like, oh, you should, you know, they're always recommending books that they know I'm going to hate. Eight, just to get some rants, just right. to get some interesting comedy uh, rants about stuff as well. So I right. know exactly what you're saying there. So, so not only was I doing my best writing when I was angry, which took a lot of energy out of me, emotional energy, but also I'm not an expert. So like I'd like, <laughs> you know, get shot down left and right. And then I'd be like, well, that sucks. And then meanwhile, in my like normal life, I'd get like these ideas for stupid things. And I like tell you know, my friends, and they'd be like, ha ha, that's funny, very funny, you're clever. Hmm. And I'd be like, I need to share this with someone. Who you know, You know, I have an audience, but I was like, that audience is there to read about critical thinking, not and about... political events, yeah. Right, not about my stupid ideas. So I was like, my, you know, I, it was taking too much energy to get myself angry all the time, so I shut that blog down, and I started Ironic Sands. Which is a lot lighter. Yes, it's a lot lighter. Um, I still, uh, behind the scenes, do what I can to promote critical thinking, um, but uh, but it doesn't. It very rarely surfaces on uh, on ironic sands. Yeah. 
So that, that was why I started Ironic Sans. But it was mainly it. to share cool ideas, fun ideas, Yeah, just invention. fun ideas yeah. for things. That... You, you were never... Uh, you were, Oh, okay, let's go back to the other thing. What was your first big post? What was the thing that you liked? It's 10th post that you made, which okay, caught so all everyone's attention. Okay, so the 10th post that I made was one day I was watching Project Runway, and uh, Santo, was that his name? He was like this tall, bearded guy, so if anyone can look up what season that was, that was What's the Project Runway? It's a, oh, it's a, it's oh, a, it's a fashion Runway show? Oh, Project a fashion show, reality show. Oh, okay. Contestants. Is it like... Or next, given a next challenge. Top supermodel kind of thing, is it's, it? it? What I like about it is there's a little bit more emphasis on the creative process. Ah, okay. So it's how, given a, a, an assignment, like make a dress to fit a certain situation using yeah. just certain materials, okay. and you have 24 hours to do it, what happens? Yeah. So there was this one character who was wearing a shirt uh, with, you know, like some logo on it. I think it was actually some Basquiat art on his logo. Yeah. And, and they pixelated his shirt so we right. couldn't see it. Yeah. But then there was another scene where his shirt was there and it wasn't pixelated. What I feared is some poor editor or yeah. someone whose job it is to edit, you know, to, to pixelate the logos on people's clothing for mm -hmm. reality shows missed it. Yeah. And I thought... Why can't people just buy clothes where the logos are pre-pixelated? Specifically so, for yes, when they go on reality TV shows. Just for when shows. you go on reality TV shows. Yeah. So I, I thought, oh, that's a funny idea. So I made some, like, pixelated clothes. And then, you know, there are all these, like, print-on-demand shops. Yeah. So you just so I thought it would be even funnier if I Cafe actually made like them that. available. So mm -hmm. I went to Cafe Press and I put them up. You know, you make whatever your profit is. So I marked them up a dollar. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and then I actually had to go to Florida the next day for a photo shoot. So I was on the beach in Florida the next day when I get a phone call from Cafe Press. Yeah. And they say, you know, you might want to raise the price on your shirts. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, if I, you have to make 20 So how, how many orders had you got in? 75 or so. Oh, okay. By the time they called. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I had my, my little brother works in reality TV and at the time he wrote for a, a blog about reality yeah. TV. So I, I sent him a little message saying, Hey, I think you might find this funny. Yeah. And he, he said, uh, this is pop culture gold, David. And he wrote about it on his blog and then Gawker yeah. picked it up and then, and Actually, then, and then honest, suddenly I had a readership. Is, I guess this is the first thing because that was very, must have been very early on in your. That in, was in, like post probably ten. Yeah, or okay. Because I remember seeing it at the time, but maybe I don't remember it. I, I know I didn't wasn't reading your blog back then. I and mm -hmm. I, that wasn't the reason I started reading your blog. So you created this thing like. Like, how long did it take you to do the art? Like, an hour or so or something like that? I would and then, say. In, yeah. fa in fact, I later said that if I had realized people were actually going to buy them, I would have Rather done a, a better job, job on yeah. them. But the, but the artwork was there. You put it up online, and you already had, like, 75 people, like, within a, an hour or within the next no, within day. within the next day. Yeah, yeah. But so did it, did that actually make you any money? I mean, was it? It did actually. Yeah. It, first of all, I was nowhere near my computer when they yeah. called, so I was like, I I don't know what a good price is. How much can you raise the price and have people still buy it? So yeah. I said, you if you remotely there can just raise the prices to whatever you think they'll sell. Yeah, like your average price on your yeah, yeah yeah. And I was like, and then when I get back to town, I'll take a look. And, uh, and, and like all of a sudden I made like $800 nice. like, and, yeah. I, and I was like, I don't even know how that happened. That's pretty great. Yeah. It was in New York and is magazine. It, is it, it still was, coming? Is do the people still buy them or is it, is that, uh, is that a, a, a fad that passed now or something? Well, that was a fad. Then I yeah. had to come up with my next big, uh, you know, big yeah. idea. Uh, yeah. So, it's, so your, your blogging is sometimes profitable. 
I would say sometimes profitable. Not when I first started, I feel like uh, it was more profitable. Maybe people were more willing to buy things. Although honestly, I haven't really put up a T-shirt idea or anything yeah. like that in a while. So yeah. it's, I would say it's occasionally. It, do you, but do you think if you had, if you made an ironic sense, if you actually made put that your logo from the top, if you put that? I don't know why anyone would want that. No, no, I was just wondering because <laughs> maybe they would. I don't uh, know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Thing is. I I really enjoy your blog. Well, let me put it this way. How I discovered your blog was that I found it, and you're always putting up these different ideas. And lots of people talk to me, and they know that I do, you know, that I know I'm a juggler, I put together new shows, but I also do writing, I do photography, I make music, and people read my blog. And my blog is is, um, is very much a place for me just to share everything that I do. So pretty much everything that I do online, which isn't my other podcast, I put it on my blog at the moment. It's pretty much just photography because I'm, you know, I'm a holiday, I'm traveling a lot, I'm just doing photography. But every time I have a video or do any writing or anything, I always put it up there. And so many people say, well, how do you have the time to do all of this? One, one of the main reasons is I'm a professional juggler and I only work a few nights a month. Um, but the other thing is, is that I always feel like I'm wasting more time than I'm spending being creative or being doing interesting things and actually working on projects. But then I see you and your blog and your multiple blogs, you've got all these other projects as well. And I'm, I have that same question of you. It's like, well, how do you have the time to come up with all these things? I mean, do, is it, mm. do you treat it as a, as a, just, just as a hobby that you do in spare time or is it something that you put time aside for? I mean, how do you, how do you keep up, keep on top of all the, all the blogging that you do? That's a good question. I, I treat it as a hobby I do in my spare time. And the way I find time for it is I sort of, I'm, I keep a list of possible post ideas. And then when I find myself with time to write a post, I consult the list and I look at which of these ideas matches the time and effort that I have right now to okay. actually turn it into a post and sometimes I'll be like great that's perfect I can do that in an hour and then yeah. I've done my post for this week and yeah. I can I can move on and sometimes I'm like that's gonna take like so long and I'll work on it piecemeal over sometimes a month so. or two I'll work on it a little bit put it away and then the next week work on it a little more so a lot of the things that you do, you'll 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 you won't just state the idea. You have like a little graphic there as well. I mean, you just you just sketch them out. You know, you know you you because. Let me put it this way. I'm frustrated when I invent something because I can't share it very well because I'm not very good at drawing. Whereas you've got this, obviously, this eye for the drawing and you can just go, oh, I'll sketch this building inside out or I'm going to sketch this, <laughs> you know, I'm going to sketch this and you can just convey your idea like really easily, like, like the, the, um, the, the sundial clock that you came up with. You just sort of like scribble it like that. And actually, there's, there's two inventions that, that you've done, which I invented in my own head beforehand. One of, them, one of them was, this, one of them was the uh, mechanical sundial and the other one was the the art project where you write down the 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 name what you do you get the little tag that you put beside the art project uh -huh. where it says mixed media david friedman you uh -huh. know this size or something made in 92 and then you expand that and actually make it as it is on there as well and that's that's an idea that i came up with years and years ago when i saw it on your blog i'm like yeah this guy we we're not we're not on the same wavelength but you know it's one of those things that you just ah but the thing is, you actually made a Photoshop version of that, and me, yes. it was just in my head. Well, that's the big thing. First of all, so many things that I put up, some, a lot of ideas I get, I Google and find someone else had the same yeah, idea and course. already posted oh, it. And then even if it's like on a teeny tiny blog that like two people have ever read, I'm like, it's out there already. I'm not, it's not, it's yeah. not original. 
it happens frequently also that yeah. I'll post something that I didn't find on my and yeah. someone and like ten people will be like, it's been done, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's you. You come up with something else, and then I'm like deflated a little bit. I'm like, it was so clever. <laughs> I know it's a little bit too clever because then yeah, I know that happens to me all the time. I chat every day. Well, not every day, every day, but most days that I'm online, there's this whole group of us who chat on a chat room. We've done it for like ten years now in a row, and every time I come up with this idea, I'm like, check it out, and they're like, click. Let me Google that for you. That kind of that kind of thing, and I'm like, yeah, damn it, you know. Well, but it's but for you, you don't mind putting out everything like this. But I'm saying it for me, it's frustrating that I have all these ideas, but I can't share them. But you're fine about sharing them with well, and, and I, just I, working on these things and I for share, no return. In a way. I share my my ridiculous ideas that uh, that it's clear no one in their right mind would or could ever execute. I also what share. What are you talking about? You come up with loads of things that yeah, people true, have executed. True, that's true. But I, I share, I guess, in a few different categories. One, ridiculous things that no one could or should execute, such as a giant building in Tokyo in the shape of Godzilla. No one is ever going to do that. That's an awesome idea. Though. Um, <laughs> a, a, uh, a desk that you work at that has a glass top and, uh, under which are mil- millions of crawling ants just to freak you out as you're working. No one in their right mind would or could. I guess they could. Yeah, it would but be it would awesome be, more, it would be more of an art installation than an actual right. working desk. Right. So, so maybe like, you need a crazy building. Th- things like that. I know I'm not going to execute. If yeah. someone else wants to undertake it, that's fine with me. Yeah. Some ideas I get and I can execute. Sometimes a little work, mm-hmm. and then I post it, and then I'm like, "Well, that was fun." Some things I'm like, if someone but else. What I- do you What do you get out of that? I mean, for exa- <clears throat> just as an example, you made this little um, this little. Uh, what was it? It was the Mary Had a Little Lamb um, recording. <laughs> and, well, no, let me, you explain this because I, I, you're going to explain okay, it way better so, than I am. So one day I had this idea while watching TV and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if when you change the volume, instead of actually just the volume changing, people go from whispering to shouting whatever it is that they're saying. Mm. And so I thought, well, that, that's a blog post idea. And, yeah. then, and, then, I, and then I thought... It would be even funnier if I could make something like that that actually works, like a functioning right. prototype. Yeah. And then I thought, since like a lot of people were all infatuated at the time with what you can do online with HTML5 yeah. in certain browsers. How I, long ago was this? This was maybe a year ago. Or something. No, was this is like four months ago. Oh, really? Oh, it's much yeah. more recent. I, I can't keep track of it. I have yeah. a terrible sense of time, yeah. so I have no idea. Um, so, so then I thought, well, if I can do it in HTML5, then it's got a tech angle, and, and people will write about it as, look what this guy did with HTML5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, like an idiot, I, had, I realized that this means I have to actually record myself whispering, talking, and yelling the same thing. How many, was it like five variations of, of five? I think five, four yeah. or five. Yeah. So, so it was like, Mary had a little lamb. And as you yes. go up, and as you press plus, it doesn't go, Mary had, it goes, Mary had a little lamb. But it doesn't actually increase in volume. And this is the best thing. The volume right. is pretty much pretty the same. Consistent. But it's just the just the intonation goes from this to something over here. Like I'm turning away from the microphone. Like, Mary had a... Yeah, it's, it's a... Yes, yeah, so I felt like an idiot recording it over and over and over, <laughs> knowing the neighbors could hear me screaming, Mary yeah. had a little lamb. I was, I was inspired. I didn't know what to do. I was inspired by uh, Thomas Edison's yeah, this, first... With the first recording first audio recording because mm. this is clearly as monumental an occasion yeah um so that's the sort of thing that like i had to then figure out how to even do that i'm not a coder i can't code yeah. but anything. you obviously can do a little bit because i've seen other bits of coding and stuff i can modify other people's code yeah. to do what i want it to do and i'm pretty good at doing it in like ridiculous ways like mm. 
Like there was an idea I had where, uh, all right, this might be too technical. I'll try to keep it simple. Uh, Google Voice, Google has a service called Google Voice. You can use it with certain phones, but not with the iPhone. Yeah. So I wanted to come up with a way that you could use it with the iPhone. So I sort of reverse engineered how they handle things on their website and figured out that if I could make a web page where you enter certain information, it would generate the, the script that you could use to dial the phone from yeah. your iPhone. So it was like a bookmark thing, was right. it? Right, oh, so yeah. It, it, so then yeah. you made a bookmark like, yeah. out of the script it generated. Now, okay. I don't know how to write a web page that asks for information and then plugs your information into a new thing that it outputs for you to create a bookmarklet. However... I do know what Mad Libs are. Do you have Mad Libs? No, I don't. So know. Mad Libs are these silly games that you get these books where there's a story, like say Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. Except it's missing all the adjectives and nouns. Oh, right. Okay, so then yeah. it says like, give me an adjective and a noun and a name. So you put it those, and then yeah. it's like it's like Luke had a you know green sausage instead yeah. of Mary had a little one. Yeah. So I found a program for that where it asks for... <laughs> Mad Libs. Yes. So it asks, oh, it asks you're, for you're, a noun and an adjective. All of my, uh, <laughs> all of my preconceptions here because I listened to, I listened to the, the podcast which is from the uh, This Week in Tech Network, network which is mm-hmm. the This Week in Google Network yes. and they're like saying oh, I saw this, uh, they're going, oh, you can't use Google, and, and someone was there, was like, and they're like, oh, yeah, but there is this guy, there's this blogger who has solved that problem, and you just need to do this, this, and this, and you can go visit his website. Yes. And it's really funny, because I think I must have been following you on Twitter at the time, and I remember you saying on Twitter, it's like, anyone got an iPhone? Can you test this for me? Yeah. And, and you know, so... And, and they referred to me as a coder. And I, I know, like, and I just, presu- so I just presume you that, and you made no. the, and you made the, was it you who did the Twitter um, 140 characters thesaurus where it yeah yeah so I'll tell you I'll tell you that okay. in a second so so the the end of the Madlib thing is just oh. that I took this program that asks for nouns and adjectives I changed the text so it asks for your phone number <laughs> and whatever and then instead of outputting the story it outputs the script with your stuff plugged in and then you copy and paste that as a bookmarklet. so okay. that that was how I cleverly reverse engineered something because I don't know how to code the the thing is is you made it. Yes. And nobody else did. Right. So, so that, that was one thing. The, the 140 characters thing, I confess, was above my, uh, my sophistication level. Uh, I understood conceptually how it should work. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I elicited help from a friend of mine who actually is a coder. Ah, uh, okay. And um, so he sort of gave me the bare bones script, which I then sort of formatted around, uh, okay. around that script. Right, so you just I had a nice the princi- presentation. Yes. And the, yeah. I understood the principle of getting the word, passing okay. it along to this API, this thesaurus API, yeah. and only displaying the results shortly. Because the thing is, I whenever I look at your blog, because I subscribe to the blog, so I see the post, and I'm like, oh, that's really clever. And then I go away again, and I don't see how many comments you get or how many hits you get. I mean, do, do these technology things, do they get more hits than the than the, uh, the the silly little post, which is just a scribble? Or Because I'm just wondering, obviously some of your ideas, like the one which, like the... The one which was a T-shirt idea with a, the pre-pixelated T-shirt that took you an hour or two mm-hmm. to do the you know to actually <laughs> upload the stuff and to do it properly and you got like featured in lots of newspapers and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Whereas another thing, say the H- HTML5 demo with the Mary had a little lamb at different volumes, that was probably a whole lot more work for you. But did mm-hmm. it get? I mean, it, it didn't get half as much attention and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So how do you justify putting in like days worth of work into a project knowing that someone will look at it and go? 
Oh, that's quite clever. And then just click on the next YouTube video that they come across. You know? That's a good question. Sometimes I'm satisfied with someone saying, oh, that was clever. Like, I know that once you've played with the Mary Had a Little Lamb thing, yeah. there's only so much you can do with it. Yeah. Um, sometimes... I see that as sort of some kind of conceptual piece of artwork. Yeah. But, you know, it's like a statement about, yeah. you know... Uh, media in a way i'm not sure what the statement is but it's it's like if you want to look at it that way you, you probably could so yeah for me that's just a standalone yeah project. so you're 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 correct that sometimes i spend a lot of energy on something I'm like this is going to be big and yeah. then like I, I just see like my usual small bump in traffic yeah. anytime i post something I'm like why aren't all these people telling their friends <laughs> um and and sometimes the simplest things i post go huge Mm. Um, one example of that would be I came up with a new word this isn't going to work in audio so anyone who's listening imagine this word printed out the word is keming k-e-m-i-n-g and it's a nerdy joke but the joke is that keming is a new word that is defined as the result of improper kerning kerning is the typography term for the distance between letters, and right. sometimes when letters are too close, they can be mistaken for a different letter. Yes. So if the R and the N and kerning are too close, it looks like the word keming. That took me no time to post. It, it was literally just almost like a Twitter about, post about, yeah. Yeah, Twitter <laughs> post line went huge. All of a sudden, people were saying, if you put that on a shirt, I would buy it. Well, okay. So then I put that on a shirt, and, and then people buy people Again, you don't even want. know what's going to be successful in this way. Right, right. So, um, and, and I have to say, it's also available on a notebook, which I prefer as a product. And yeah. it, looks, it makes a great cover for a notebook. And also a mug. I like the mug, too. The t-shirt, yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because the thing, that's one of those things that I see and go, oh, that's great. But then I don't see the whole media buzz <laughs> about it or the references. and Because, you know, I don't, I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I'm not part of the typography world like you. Are. I mean, Ironic Sands is the name of your blog, so you'll see something. Yeah, but, my yeah. wife is a graphic designer. I'm more okay. of a graphic design fan. Um, oh, okay. A lot of stuff that looks good on my website is largely with her influence. Oh, I see. Um, and, and, but yeah, you know, I like graphic Maybe get her to design, design the t-shirts. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I should. But just, just a note I used to do when I was first getting into performing and doing juggling stuff, you know, I'd work a lot, you know, months on a routine sometimes. And I'd put in like so much work and I always used to have this little... Um, this little formula, this little kind of thing that I'd plug things into and get out. So I was like, how many people are going to watch me doing this live and how much enjoyment will they get out of it? So if you get 100 people um, watching me on stage for five minutes, that's sort of like 500 minutes worth of entertainment. So if I'm only going to do something on fi for five minutes on stage and only 100 people are going to say it, I'm like, I'll spend 500 minutes on it. So like for the amount of effort or the amount of energy or the amount of time that I put into it, that they can do it. The thing is that the internet sort of inverted all of that so sometimes mm -hmm. I can spend hours on a project no not hours days months a year on a project <laughs> like the latest thing that I put out it's me and I'm you know it, it, me when I did this whole music and I've built this set and it turns around and I'm walking around the ceiling you know it's been like two years I've been working on this project I put it up online I'm like oh I did a million views on YouTube no problem at all and then another one I was at a snowball fight and I you know shot 13 30 seconds of the snowball fight put it up and that, like, in a day, got, like, 4,000 views because mm -hmm. it was, like, it was this snowball fight in Berlin was so big. It was a news event, and loads of people went on YouTube and saw it, and I had, like, you know, hundreds of comments on the view of the same video that I put up on Facebook, and, and the photos and stuff were being used in different places and being swapped around and things. And I'm like, that that video took me 30 seconds to make, literally the amount of time for me to press go to stop. And, you know, I captured something there. And another thing that I've spent literally years of my life on and... 
it, you know, it doesn't get the same thing. And that's the weird thing that you, it's always hit and miss. You never know what quite what's going to That's true. I, I will say that sometimes I'll spend a lot of time on a project just be, you know, even though it's unknown whether or not other yeah. people will like it, I want to see it finished. I want to oh, see yeah, it yeah, work. Yeah. So I'll be like, well, I'm going to do it. One of the things I've learned is a lot of my ideas are sort of off the wall and offbeat. And, and part of, like I was saying, starting the blog was because I'd show, you know, I'd yeah. tell people and they'd be like, that's funny, David. What I found is that there are enough other offbeat people yeah, out yeah, there yeah. that someone else is going to appreciate it. So, so sometimes I'll be like, well, well I'm going to do it to my satisfaction. Yeah. And then whatever happens, happens. Okay, let's talk a little bit, just a, a few more points to bring up just because we've been going on quite a while already I guess I'll edit some of it down but um two things is that people have taken your ideas and mm -hmm. run with them like mm -hmm. I guess the ant desk is one that you're not probably not going to see but mm -hmm. however the sun um the, the, the sundial bulb dial yeah which is just to make it clear that sundials are a bit rubbish but a a pole with a, a light on a moving platform that rotates around the pole casts a shadow um, in a, you know, and you can actually keep proper time with it and tell proper time. And actually, a few people have made this now, hasn't it? There's, there's there have a... been some variations. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what are some other things that people have actually made that you've put out there and people have made? Um, well, first, let me just uh, make clear that the bulb dial clock, incidentally, is available. It says as a kit you can build yourself. Yeah, uh, with a soldering iron comes with wonderful instructions, and it it's made by the Evil Mad Scientist Labs, and you can Google them to find their website. And they're wonderful people who had no legal obligation to say, "David, we want to, you know, give you a portion of yeah. the proceeds," but but they do. Right. Um, when you uh, come up with an idea for an invention, yeah. uh, you have a year from the time that you make it public to patent it right? Um, in, in the United States. After that year is up, if you haven't patented it, then it basically becomes public domain. Somebody uh, else can't patent some, it? No, they can't oh, patent right, okay, it. Right, okay. um, they, can, the they, can, they can make a variation yeah, yeah. or an improvement in patent yeah. it. I'm not a lawyer. This is okay. just my understanding. Um, they can make a variation or improvement to patent. But so... Uh, it was actually just over a year when I first heard from them. It was beyond uh, okay. anything. But also, a patent takes a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of time. And a well. lot of time. And and what I've learned from dealing with all of these inventors is when you have a product that you want to patent and turn either into a product yourself or license to someone else, you should expect that to be your full-time job. Right. So if I'm not willing to turn bulb dial clocks into my full-time job, then yep. there is no benefit to me to patent it. Yeah. Um, so then my options are, uh, you know, n never tell anyone my idea mm. or put it out there. And if someone wants to build it, that's cool. That's awesome. And and, and so if I, if I feel so strongly about it that I would feel cheated if yeah. someone else made it, I would just not put it on the blog. I'll right. hold on to it. So do you have time. ideas that you think maybe one day you'll do it? Or do you share Fair a couple? Yeah, because I was thinking this is the thing that um, I wanted to get to is like, are you afraid of people stealing ideas? But I guess if you if you value it enough that you're afraid for someone to steal it, you're going to keep it to yourself anyway. Yeah. You're not going to share yeah. it. Yeah. There have been times where someone has taken my idea and done something with it and not given me any yeah. credit I as an inspiration one... and that that's more bothersome. Yeah, I remember one time I didn't 
didn't see it at the, at the time, but you, uh, I think you mentioned about on one of your blogs, I can't remember, uh, on Ironic Sands probably, is the, uh, is the little, little president, wasn't it, that you had yeah, there? Yeah, I, little Clinton and, you know. Long time ago, before Ironic Sands, I made a standalone, before I had a blog to put my funny ideas, I was making standalone websites for different ideas. And one of them was a, a whole in-depth fan site dedicated to a, cartoon like an 80s cartoon that didn't really exist the yeah. sort of riffing on the trend of making cartoons based on yeah. baby versions baby of, muppets right you know, that kind of thing. so i had like a school grade uh website fan site a, a school a school grade cartoon about the bill clinton administration they're all like fourth graders like charlie brown kind of thing so i made like this crazy blog or website dedicated to this fictional before cartoon. blogs existed as well. <laughs> um, and so and that was a big big hit and uh and then several years later there was an actual show produced that was the same it's pretty much the same same thing, concept yeah. but yeah. with the bush administration it's an obvious enough concept yeah. i didn't really think that, that this guy like stole it from me mm. or anything it was just you know it, uh, mine, mine was called lil bill his was called lil bush or uh, <laughs> you know it was like but but a lot of those are just like obvious ideas yeah. and and you know i don't have any ownership of an idea like that I, I only have ownership of my particular execution of yeah. a particular idea like that and the thing is i was talking to this um two nights ago i was at this uh, juggling meeting um and i was talking to this juggler who's obviously i have no from, stories that begin with that i know no i know it's really strange when i say this there's lots of juggling clubs in in uh, in in new york and there's this guy, and he had this thing, and he had this like this seesaw thing that he would like stamp on one end and throw the balls up into his pattern and stuff like that. Cute invention was done like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, but then he was like, "Oh yeah, I've got this great idea, and I'm going to do like juggling and magic. So I'm going to be juggling, and then I'm going to turn, and the balls are going to disappear." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, so this great guy do that like you know a year and a half ago. His name is is Jan Frisch." I said, yeah, this guy who does that, you know, he pretty much does exact, that exact act. His name is Jan Frisch. You know, you should look him up online and see what you can find about him. And he's like, oh, man, that was my idea. And I'm like, an idea, for me, it's a bit, it's, this is the way I look at it. For me, ideas are cheap. Of course, if you can come up with them, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that's great. But, but unless you do something with them or share them in some way, or present them in a, in a way, even if you don't make them. Like for you, what I think is great, I, I consider you to be uh, a really fun inventor, even though you only, you personally only make very, very few um, of your inventions real or a few of your ideas real. I mean, but for example, you had this idea, I think it was, yeah, it definitely was your blog because nobody else would do this. Um, you said, ah, okay, I'm in Times Square. I'm going to take a photo of every billboard in Times Square. Yeah. And it's like... Why did you do that? But the point is, it, you, don't really need to, you don't need to explain it to yourself. But for me, that's a cool project. And anybody could have that idea. Probably 20 people who go through Times Square every hour would go, oh, I'll take a photo of every billboard here. And, but nobody, nobody does. But you did it. Yeah, I did. You know? um, and, and I think that's the, a really important thing. So many people can come up with the idea of... Um, yeah, I mean, I, the thing that I, I mentioned before, how about taking a, a black and white photo with a Game Boy and then making it into a colour photo? I actually saw this guy who, who did that. He went around Russia, like, mm -hmm. 98 years ago and, mm -hmm. and did the same kind of thing. And, and colour photographs from back then is like, you just don't expect it. It's amazing, whereas he was doing that same thing. I'm not saying that your idea wasn't... Uh, 
wasn't clever or wasn't interesting, but the point is it, it stood out because yeah. you actually did it. Yeah. You know, probably loads of people could have the same idea. They've gone, oh, I'll, I'll, I've invented this and I've invented that and I've invented this. But it's actually the presentation of it and the uh, and just the execution of it is actually what makes that idea valid in some way. Yeah, often. I mean, I can... Yeah. Once a year or so, I'll go through my list and I'll look for those things on my list that I'm not going to get around to executing even enough to be a post. Yeah. And I'll just lump like five or six of them all That's in one That's some of my post. favorite posts. Because um, I don't think it's enough to just say, here's an idea without at least having a drawing yeah, of it. Yeah, and that's, that's, why, it, that's to, why it gets to me, is because I'm not very good at drawing. I can't present the I idea. mean, I could just yeah. post my list as it is yeah. now, but mm. without turning them all into proper... But posts. for me, this is the key thing. That's not being creative. If all you have is a list of ideas, mm -hmm. there's, for me, there's no creativity there. The creativity is actually where you get an idea and you execute on it in some way, implement it in some way. And this is the, I think, the difference between someone who goes, ah, oh, I've got an idea for a story and for someone who actually writes a story. Mm -hmm. And again, some of the greatest inventors, uh, you know, are science fiction authors mm -hmm. who go, right, here's this idea, here's that idea. Mm -hmm. And they, just by presenting their idea in a book or in a, in a, in a fiction, even if it's in a fiction, they invent it mm -hmm. in a way. Even if yeah, they haven't come true. up with the, even if they haven't come up with a mechanism, like Arthur C. Clarke invented, well, he didn't invent the Clarke orbit, he didn't invent the geostationary orbit, mm -hmm. but it's known as the Clarke orbit now because he's the guy who went, oh, that's the best place to right. put satellites. Right. And I remember looking back through these ancient textbooks and it says, one day, planes will fly high enough and we'll be able to bounce the radio signals off these planes. And yeah. I'm like, wow, Arthur C. Clarke hadn't written about, you know, he hadn't done his papers about right. this. Although those ideas that he presented, it, it wasn't in a science fiction form first. You know, he actually wrote them about them in technical documents. But the idea is that you've got someone who's got a creative mind and by including his ideas in his fiction or in any science fiction author, in fact, any author can in include these ideas in the fiction, it takes on a tangibility which is, can then be referenced by other True. people. Like for now, when, you, when someone comes up with another idea, like of yours, you can say, oh, that's on my blog. Mm. Whereas when, you, when I had the same idea that you put on your blog, I was like, oh man, that was in my brain for like four years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing there. There's nothing creative about having an idea in your brain. Would you, do you have any ideas about that or, or don't you think about things in that way? Um, because I'm saying I there must be a reason why you put the work in to do it. I mean, it's a cool blog. You get your, you know, your geek prestige and all of that kind of stuff. But is there something that you have to make it tangible for it to? It's just, it's just an outlet. It's just an outlet. Yeah, yeah. It's sometimes I get an idea and I think, you know, it's a shame to not share it with someone, whether it's an obvious idea that other people have had or not. If, yeah. if it's an idea that I want to share. And, you know, and I think there might be someone out there who would yeah. get a kick out of it. I'll put it on the blog. And and that just gives, you know, you say that ideas are, are cheap, but... No, I wouldn't say cheap, but... What, did you, what words did you use? Uh, easy? I don't know. Easy, well, perhaps. not no, easy, but like there's so many people can say, oh, I'm going to come up with an invention to, I'm just looking around, to, to make opening blinds easier, mm -hmm. you know. But then you've got some blinds here, which... Is just folded bits of paper with a peg at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone can come up with an idea of going, oh, I'm going to, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I had a peg to do it? But here are actually some blinds with pegs on the bottom, and you uh -huh. just fold them up a bit more, and you put the peg pegs on. I mean, it's not that practical, but it looks pretty cool. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying there? There's actually, the, someone could come up with the idea, 
but and not do anything with it. But then somebody could actually cut the piece of papers out to the right size to fit the windows and then use some pegs to do it. And suddenly the, the idea becomes... I think the idea valuable or worth something in a way rather than just it's just... true I would say that the idea is worth something even without the execution because there's a mental process that gets you to the idea I think that a lot of my ideas are born from um, and I think ideas in general and creativity in general is born from connecting I connecting two things that seem unrelated um, like or that may not immediately be immediately obvious how they're related. Like an ant farm built into a desk. Those are uh, an ant farm is one thing. A desk yep. is another. You combine the two. Yeah. You know. Um. And, and I think that just even coming up with ideas and keeping a list of them is a creative process. Even if you don't execute them, it just can exercise your mind. And, yeah. And and be uh, uh you know just helpful no matter what your creative outlet that you do execute actually yeah. is, whether it's coding or, yeah. uh, or writing true. fiction or, yeah. or anything else. Yeah. So I think that th there is value to the idea alone. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I see what you mean by that. But it's for, in that way, it's very much a personal thing. It's more of like a personal growth kind of thing or something like that. Yeah, I'm well, not sure. I, I would say at the same time that, you know, when I'm considering inventors for my inventor portrait project... I hear from a lot of people who tell me who that have they, have, they have a good idea, <laughs> yeah. and I reject them. Yeah, I say yeah. that's not enough uh, for this project. Yeah, I, there's this one thing that I, that I uh, invented years ago, and it's a it's a self um, for when you go into males men's toilets. The idea is this: you go in there, and nobody ever lifts the seat up to, for, for when they you know, just need to go for a piss, you know, and so they leave it down and it gets covered. But then I'm saying, but when you want it down to sit on it, your body weight can keep, you know, it can keep it down this. The idea was to have like a, like a, a, a spring-loaded or counterweight toilet seat so when you don't need to sit down on it. So, so when then you, up is the default up position. Up is the default rather than down is the default position. That is like genius. The, it's, a, it's a great idea. And I had this idea years and years ago and then like, Earlier this year, someone said, oh, yeah, I saw there was, a, I think it was some toilets. They, they wrote about it in Switzerland, and they, they've done that idea now. And I was like, oh, man, that could have been my, uh, that could have yeah, been my there, big idea. But the reason I actually used this when I was on stage once, because it was a funny, it was, for me, it was a comedy routine where I could talk about this and I could, you know, do, I could mime people spraying around, you know, and, and actually do the whole mime. And I had this, this skit that I only ever performed like three times where it was talking about festival toilets, how to get in and out of the festival toilets and use a festival toilet without touching anything you know so that just became part of that you know skit and for me that was a great idea but I would the 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 payoff at the end of the routine was that I never I'll never invent it I'll never put my do it because I don't want to be the next Thomas Crapper you know I don't yeah. want to have my name associated it's like oh yeah I'm just off for a burridge it's like yeah yeah that kind of thing. I never want to be you know yeah. uh Mr. Mr. Crapper or Mr. Condom or whatever these Hilarious. you know these uh, these other things are. So it, for me, it it had value. The idea had value because I found value in it, which but which wasn't through the actual creation and yeah. the patenting of the idea and the invention itself. It was like I I managed to get some other value out of it. But I do understand that the idea by itself is valuable. I'm saying without developing in some way without presenting it in some way or maybe not even presenting it without creating it and so i don't know but i think that's where creativity lines is is in somewhere in the execution of an idea not even to completion not even uh 
but to, to where it's complete for you. I think this is what you said as well. I do something until I'm happy with it and then share it. Yeah, well, sometimes I do something until I'm happy with it. And then I think, okay, now I want to share this. So now I need to make it pretty enough to post uh, yeah, okay. online. And that's when I have my prototype and I ask my wife, what yeah. can I do to make this look better? And, and then I post it online. She says more kenning. Often. Yeah. Well, I think that's... I can't think of anything else that I want to talk to you about because I know you have other projects, but they're not specifically here as well. Just uh, do you have any other... Um, I don't want to ask what you're doing in the future because I guess people can go look at your blog and I'm not quite sure when this is being released and things, but uh, uh, is there any other kind of projects that you would like to work on, maybe another photography project after the inventors? Because we, we've obviously been talking a lot about invention and this is why I picked up on that because you're doing this photography project about inventors and yet you are obviously an inventor in your own right as mm -hmm. well. But do you have anything other than inventors which you'd like to do like a long, long t longer term photography project about? I actually do have something in the back of my mind. I don't think yeah. it's probably too early to talk about oh, okay. it. Okay. Because um, I think it's a, it's a good idea. I have to figure out exactly how. And you don't how. want anyone to steal this one. I don't one. want anyone to steal yeah. this one. And I, and I still need to figure out exactly how I'm going to do it. I can see it going a few different ways. So instead of being vague about it for yeah, too yeah. long. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I'll tell you, I do have one other project that I'm really into these days. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's yet another blog. Yeah. It's called Sunday Magazine. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. I don't have time to read it all because, like I say, I don't know how you have time to read, you to read and research this all, but it's, uh, I guess it's one magazine per week or something it works Yeah, out. well, the, uh, I can tell you. Oh, yeah, tell the idea. Tell the listeners because <clears throat> they won't know about it. The, the idea is that uh, every week I post the most interesting articles from the New York Times Sunday Magazine that were published exactly 100 years ago that To the week. nearest Sunday, yeah. Yeah, to the nearest Sunday. So just like today, the New York Times Sunday Magazine is full of science and, you know, human life stories and crime, true crime and things like that. It was the same way 100 years ago, but with the perspective of history, Oftentimes, uh, they're either fascinating because we can see what happened to the person in the story or whatever after that, or there's bizarre that that was really like a yeah. topic of conversation. Um, and, and so I find that fascinating. And, and I post about, uh, I don't know, anywhere between four and eight of these a week, I would yeah. say. See, that's way too many for me to, to keep up with. You know, pretty much I read the ones which you also mention on Twitter or something like that. Because if you put it on then Twitter... Then I call out yeah, the most you, you, so, yeah. the, so some of the fun ones is like, you were talk, there was one about telegraph operators and they had their own text speak. Yes. So instead of saying LOL, they went ha. And they had they had their own ways of yeah, communicating Morse with each other. code for ha ha is pretty short yeah. compared to, like, the Morse code for LOL. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but they had, like, uh, this is when they, like, were chatting with each other in between sending yeah, yeah. paid customers So that was, that was a fascinating one. And there was, there was one of the most fascinating, fascinating ones for me was, like, the meta article that you found where two people were, dis it was like in a sketch, and two people were discussing what people in a hundred years' time yeah. would be talking about when they were looking back at that magazine, and you're like... Oh shit! That's me yeah. now. That's what I'm doing. Yes, they were discussing whether or not anything in 1910 is interesting enough that 100 years from now people will read it. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh yeah," because everyone will be talking about the Wright brothers and their plane yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, "I'm talking about that. <laughs> that's me. this article was written about me." And there, I'm like <laughs> sitting in the microfilm room at the New York Public Library. I'm yeah. like, "It's me. I'm reading you." 
Yeah, so that's it. Is a great project. It's just like you say. I don't know how you have time to do all of this, but I guess that's more. Of I a, can tell you my secret. What's that? Well, unlike uh, Ironic Sands, where I have to work on it every week. Yeah, someone already did the work a hundred years ago. Uh, you just so I can it. set up the next, you know, two months worth of posts. Oh, so you can in a day you can collect everything together, schedule it, and then it goes not, out. Not in one. In one yeah, day, yeah. I collect it together, and then it takes me about two hours to write one week's worth of posts. So okay. if, I'm, if I'm willing to spend six hours on it one for me, week... I mean, for most people reading this, they're like, well, what do you get in return? For, I mean, for you, it's fascinating finding this stuff, but you're like, there's, there's so much curated information out there on the internet already. Can you not, like, let someone else curate it for you? Do you have to be doing all the primary research? If someone this? else curated this for me, I would read it. I yeah. curate it. I don't know who's reading it, but yeah. I'm like... I mean, do, do you get good good readership with this is it is not it? as high as ironic Sam's, oh, okay um but i also have only been doing it for a few months oh yeah okay um and the fact is i find it really interesting so having the blog gives me a reason to go back yeah. to the library every three months and <laughs> yeah. like read i mean i'm like i'm like i had no idea that there was another couple in abraham lincoln's box yeah. the night he was shot and, and whatever what, happened, what happened to, to them, them yeah their story is tragic i, I read that one as well yeah uh, tragic this other couple, scarred by this terrible night at the theater, uh, they went. They, they were a young couple, and uh, they were in love, and they got married, and then, like, he became insanely jealous of her and killed her, and then he was put in an insane asylum. And committed suicide and himself, like, yeah, like, yeah. I wouldn't have known that if I yeah. wasn't doing it's, this it's uh, But even at the time, that was not ancient history, but that was, like... That was current history, basically. The, the, well, yeah, yeah, it was, like, they were looking, it's like, oh, the last person... The last person from Lincoln's box just died. Yeah, Let's that was it, yeah, back yeah. So, on, on what... The tragedy. So it, it was a look back over forty years up until yeah. that point, or whatever it was. Yeah, it so I find stuff like that, and I wouldn't find it otherwise. Yeah. And then when I find it, I'm like, "This is." As long as I did the research mm. to find this, I I might as well share it. And it just it doesn't fit in ironic sands. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just start a new blog, and I'll yeah. just put them there. And well, this is the, this is the weird thing is actually, you know, it's a parallel to actually what we're recording now. This podcast, this is for me, is one of those times where I'm like, this is. I know it's like a different project. It's not gonna. Maybe it'll go be part of my blog. Probably be a different blog. I'm not quite sure, but it's like I keep having, I keep meeting really interesting people. Like uh, two days ago, uh, at the same juggling meeting, there was a guy there, and and he mentioned something about designing a logo on a shop. And I was like, so you design logos? He said, yeah, I design lots. I did, like, the History Channel logo, these all these other TV stations logos. I did this, I did that. Um, the one he said is, like, the one that lots of people know is the Advil, which is mm -hmm. some, you know, headache pills and stuff like that. He did all these logos, and he's known as, like, this logo guy, especially TV logos, mm -hmm. if, like, someone in TV. And it was great just chatting to him about that. I know nothing about logo design. Literally, you know, I've tried to design them, but I generally stay away from logos and just go with... A word or something, yeah. you know. But it's a word one of the can be a logo. Was that a word? Can yeah, be yeah, a logo. exactly. But it was it was funny talking to him about this. <coughs> we only chatted for maybe like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and I was just like, oh man, this would be this would be really great information. It's like I would, yeah. if I was having an if this guy if I was if somebody else did an interview with this guy, I would find it fascinating. <coughs> and that's just part of a conversation that I was having. And I yeah. was like, oh man, I should just. I should get my iPhone out and just record this interview now. So again, this is one of those things that I'm doing now. It's because I have conversations with other artists all the time about creativity, about art, about putting together shows and blogging and inventions and stuff like that. And uh, and so for me, this is just a, just an a way that I can, yeah. If somebody else was doing this, I would, yeah. I would 
I would listen to it. Or well, read it's it. a great project. Yeah. I'm so, definitely going to listen. Oh well, okay. Well, we'll to myself, yeah, I'm yeah, vain. To, yeah. You'll you'll listen to one episode at least. Anyway, yeah, that's right. anything else you want to say, or is it was it just the Sunday? Sunday uh, I, I don't know. There, uh, there's probably check out else check out this blog, uh, and uh, and I'll put some I'll put links to all of the uh, all of the your different projects or that's anything probably that the best way. Just yeah, and, look, and look at my blog, well. follow the links. Okay. Waste, waste your morning going through my archives. Well, David from Ironic Sands, etc. Thanks very much for this uh, great interview slash discussion. My pleasure. Good stuff. I'll stop now.